It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. But you are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now. JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. JT with you back for the final hour of the show. I feel like a failed opera singer trying to get my voice going today. It's going to take me a few more hours to get it right. I'm on the radio tonight from 4 to 6 p.m. also on Sirius XM 82. Mad Dog Sports Radio as we continue to talk about March Madness. Being on the strip last night with my son and my nephews as the crowds were coming out of T-Mobile. Wow. To see the Arkansas fans do the walk of shame back to their resort properties and the Gonzaga fans. What a game that was. I mean, Timmy is unbelievable when it comes to being a college basketball legend. So for the Zag fa- uh, fans who are in town, and we'll be here through Saturday and Sunday, a welcome once again to Vegas. Gonzaga in Vegas really fits well. So Raiders roundtable coming up here in a little bit. A couple of things. The Raiders were really active this week. They had a big week. They signed a lot of players. Okay, two tight ends, a bunch of cornerbacks. They went to Columbus, Ohio to check out C.J. Stroud and all those great players on Ohio State. Then went to Tuscaloosa. Bryce Young and the players that are there. So you've got to assume that Dave Ziegler and his staff saw a lot of good football players at the best two programs in the country, two of the top three or four. So I'm sure they're going to come back here loading up and knowing what they're thinking about doing even more. We spent a lot of time this week talking about the defensive picks for the Raiders. And next week, we're going to start diving into the mock drafts. I didn't want to get too far ahead of it because I think it's boring radio. It's not a lot of fun until it gets to draft season. And we're a month out, starting next week. So we'll have draft insiders on, experts, everyone from NFL Network that I've been talking to since they've been in existence, everyone over at the Raiders. We're going to have a really good deep dive because that Raiders seventh pick, if they don't move up or they move back, is a really big one for the silver and black. So I'm excited about all that. March Madness. Oh, I want to thank Jay Cornegay and Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate Superbook. We have Jeff on every other week. He's fantastic as they set the lines. Uh, They're hosting me today, along with my son and my nephews, a nice group. We're going to go watch college basketball at the Mecca, the absolute Mecca to watch anything that has to do with sports gambling on those beautiful TVs over at the Westgate. So looking forward to heading over there in a little bit. Raiders Roundtable, we did two in the last two weeks. This is the most recent one after the Raiders made a couple of signings. They made a few after that. But whenever I have an opportunity to be on the radio with Lincoln Kennedy, and Q Myers, I take advantage of that. This is Raiders Roundtable from earlier in the week. It's Jimmy Garoppolo headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, Las Vegas Raiders. Five, Garoppolo pulls it down, end zone, what a throw and catch. End zone, caught, touchdown. Come on, Vegas, go! I'm so excited to be here. 
get this thing rolling, meet the guys. I've met a couple of them around the facility and it seems like a good family around here. Good people and uh, that's what it all starts with. Come on, man, set the tone today. Ha! Let's go! As a player, I, I describe myself as passionate. I think that's the Italian in me, maybe comes out a little bit, but uh, just the passion. I try to play with so much passion that you can feel it in the stands. And uh, I think it, you know, translates to all the players. And uh, if we get a whole team plan like that, it's always a good thing. Going back to the New England days, it always made sense. I'm excited. Josh kind of raised me in this league. When I was a rookie, I didn't understand, you know, ball too well, and he taught me everything. I think he knows what I like, what I don't like, and, you know, we're just going to keep trying to push that, uh, push the envelope together and grow together. Raider Nation, what's going on? It's Jimmy G here. Can't wait to get started, man. It's, uh, it's been a fun day, busy day, and let's go get some W's, baby. There it is, Jimmy Garoppolo as we welcome you in Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. That's Q Myers. I'm JT. Lincoln Kennedy coming up here in a little bit. And we had to come back in here and do a Jimmy G segment to yeah. get it going. I think that's a monster move by the Raiders. They bring in a winner, a potential face of the franchise, nor that he doesn't want to be that. He wants to prove it that way. He's humble. I'm excited he's here. No, I am too. You know, and he had his uh, press conference, and obviously everything was delayed a day, but it was worth it, right? And being able to talk to Jimmy G and hear what he's all about and hear the energy in his voice and the passion and the fact that he wanted to earn everything and said that, you know, he comes from a blue-collar family, and so that's what he's all about. And that's what the Raiders are all about the blue collar family so I'm buying into the Jimmy G uh you know the hype and, and the signing I think it's a good signing especially because as he mentioned Josh McDaniels knows what he likes that's important yeah and Q what I think as we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo here as we welcome you in is it had to happen there weren't many options right okay if you look at the Tom Brady option he retired we see the Aaron Rodgers disaster that's going on now with Green Bay and the Jets right another big name out there Lamar Jackson and what's happening with him he hasn't got a qualifying offer yet mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo was the next best quarterback available and the Raiders jumped in and got him and with his career record the four playoff wins he could have won two Super Bowls let alone one but right. he was in the dance with the opportunity to win and I think he's the type of quarterback that can come into this organization at this moment as they're trying to fill out this roster right. and really be a big team leader. You know, we talk about it all the time. There's something to know about what it looks like, yeah. right? And he knows what winning looks like. And of course, he comes from a team that was loaded offensively and defensively, but he still knows what winning is like. And that means something in the locker room. He's got to be able to take a, guy, a bunch of guys that haven't won as much as they'd like to win and teach them how to win and be a part of it. I think he could be a, a key cog in that. When I interviewed him exclusively on Raider Nation Radio, he was humble. He wanted to talk about, he brought up Ken Stabler. I brought up Jim Plunkett. He's starting to learn the history. I like how natural he was. He doesn't know the background of the Raiders other than they were the cool team for his dad. And he didn't try to fake it either. He didn't try to fake it. He wore the black. He came in there. It took him a day to get the contract done. He was calm and cool about that. He didn't get dramatic with the media. And look at the record cue as we show this. 40-17, and 40-17 and 17 lifetime. Now you could say he played on good teams. Mm-hmm. You're right about that. But no matter how good your team is, that completion percentage of 67.6 and the quarterback rating at 99.6 is on him. That's good yeah. reads, making good decisions in the pocket. And he was having probably the best year of his career last season with San Francisco yeah. before he got injured. I mean, 8-3. and three. 16 touchdowns to four interceptions and everyone that I've talked to from San Francisco and I know you've done the same on Raider Nation Radio 920 is the fact that he was absolutely out there leading and it was a guy that they didn't even know if he was going to be in the organization last year and really got lucky because he wasn't able to be traded but all he did is turn around and help that team get that win streak started that Brock Purdy eventually finished off. Let me tell you what I know from watching him in San Francisco Santa Clara last year. Basically they threw him out. 
And yeah. he was basically told Trey Lance and Kyle Purdy were going to be the quarterbacks. And he came back and helped that organization. As the organization, I thought, had their tail between their legs. Good organization, good head coach, ownership and all that. And did you hear any drama with that? None. No, he just disappeared into the offseason. They asked him to come back in a relief role. Yeah. And he played really well. And for the fans who say he's injured a lot, Look, we know the games he's missed. I don't predict injuries on podcast and on radio. I am not going to assume that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get hurt. Right. I'm going to host this podcast and radio shows with you, assuming he's going to be available for Absolutely. every game. Absolutely, and that's what the Raiders did when they signed him. Right? They're assuming that he's going to be available. And again, Josh McDaniels is very familiar with him. He knows exactly what he brings to the table. He's been coached by Josh McDaniels, coached hard by Josh McDaniels. But yeah. as he mentioned, he learned him the game of, uh, of football. I mean, he really brought him up and, and taught him what the NFL is all about. What I talked about also with Jimmy Garoppolo, when things were rolling for him in the Bay Area, he had a Pro Bowl fullback. He had two great wide receivers. He had George Kittle at tight end. Uh, Trent Williams up front, right? Similar to Colt Miller, Trent Williams, better player, future Hall of Famer as of now. But his ability, it reminded me of his Patriot years too. He always threw to the open man. The concept of this offense dating back to Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels is to make good fundamental decisions and throw to the open receiver. And with Brady and Garoppolo over the years, they've been wide open because they've made good decisions at the line of scrimmage. The play came in quickly. The play came in fast. The quarterback was able to see the line of scrimmage. And then with a pump fake moving a safety, they'd hit someone over the middle of the field. That's what Garoppolo does better than recent former quarterbacks here in this organization. He's better in the pocket. He has better footwork and he makes better decisions. Hopefully that transcends with him and Josh McDaniels. The playbook has to be better now. It has to open up. It has to be the Jimmy G, Josh McDaniels book that we've been hearing about. That's what I'm assuming as well. And he did mention that, hey, I've been in this system before. Obviously, it's been a while since he's been there. He's going to deep dive into the books. He said everything that was correct in the in the press conference, right? I think a lot of Raider fans came away from that press conference really backing Jimmy G as they should. He is the quarterback for the silver and black. And once you put on that, uh, that uniform and that helmet, man, you're all in, right? And so Jimmy G is all in. He's excited about the opportunity to get started. And I do think you're going to see this offense have more options. Now, there's going to be a lot more of the playbook exposed because Jimmy G is somewhere more familiar. Yeah, Jimmy G's got a pretty good offensive arsenal around him mm-hmm. with playmakers, but one of the guys who are gone is Darren Waller. Darren Waller was traded to the New York Giants for a third round pick, and it, it's tough to see him go. I've right. been friends with him. Yeah, he's a good dude. had an opportunity to meet him outside the building a few times, some charity work that he's done. He walked the tunnels here in this community. A good guy. Just got married. We yeah. wish him well. But the Raiders needed to move on from him, and they decided to move on. O.J. Howard comes in right now. He'll try to replace him, and they might not be done at the tight end position just yet. And I don't think that they are in this draft class. This upcoming draft is very deep in tight ends, and really it's been one of the more historic tight end classes in the draft in a very, very long time. So there's plenty of replacements that could be out there. Again, like you said, we all wish Darren Waller the best. Really good dude. Great story. Phenomenal story. We'll always root for him uh, as a man just to be successful. Love where he came from and where he's at right now. But I think it was a good moment for both both sides to, to have a split. And him go to New York, and the Raiders got a third-round pick in return. Yeah, and the Raiders would have liked to get a second-round pick, but they wanted to retain him last year. Yep. Darren, everybody was hoping that Darren Waller would get back on the field and rehab quicker than expected, be ready to go and help the team out down the stretch. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a doctor. I don't know exactly what was happening behind the scenes, but – 
you know, they were able to evaluate Darren Waller on the field, off the field, yeah. during rehab, during the bye week, and a lot went into this decision to move on from Darren Waller. This is a grown man's business, and they looked at him going forward, and they wanted to go into a different direction. And now whoever steps into that position, we start with OJ and who they have on this roster. And you make a good point about the draft. The only problem I have on that is that the Raiders have much bigger needs than a backup tight end right. or a developmental tight end. I'd like to see a— Could be a starting tight end if they find one. You're right. right? It could <laughs> be there, but I still think that this is a team with the draft picks overall. Yeah. I don't expect to see a tight end in the first three or four rounds because they have so many other needs. But, look, Q, you make a good point. If, if the fourth-round pick is there and one of the elite tight ends have dropped there right. and you want to go get him, you could say that about a quarterback in the third round or the second round, too. Remember, George Kittle, fifth-round pick. Yeah. Right? I mean, so you never know where you're going to get these gems from, and, and this is where Dave Ziegler and company, I think, are really going to have an opportunity to, to show what they're all about is having 12 draft picks, five in the first 109 picks. I think they have an opportunity to really turn this roster around, and tight end could be the position. Obviously, defense is a big need. Uh, they can also add some offensive linemen. I mean, there's a lot that they can get done in this upcoming draft in April, and this is why this is going to be one of the most important ones that we've seen in the wild for the Silver and It's Black. a monster draft coming up here yep. for a number of reasons. Everybody should be aware that the fundamentals of this organization under Dave Ziegler's building through the draft. He's made it clear. He went out, I thought, and brought in a lot of players, especially earlier this week. He brought in a lot of players. You can call them role players, positional players, rotational players is a term I'm hearing a lot. Mm -hmm. He's filling out the roster. Now he's got to go big in the draft. And look, we've been saying this for years around here, and there's been good GMs that came in before him that swung and missed with some big draft picks in the first round. Well, Dave's got to come in here and make sure that doesn't happen. He's got to have a draft similar to what Seattle had, Kansas City had, a couple other teams that hit on four or five starters if he's able to do that because you add another three or four starters to this roster, this roster's filling up real quick. Well, look, it's funny. We talked about the situation going on in New York with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. The only reason they're in position to get Aaron Rodgers is because they had a phenomenal draft last year, mm-hmm. and they got a lot of youth, on, especially on the defensive side of things, that really turned that team around, and the only thing that they're missing is a quarterback. So the Raiders and Raider Nation should be excited because the Raiders do have an opportunity to go into the draft and get, like you said, three good starters out of that draft and some really good rotational players, and all of a sudden your team looks a whole lot different than it did a season ago. Yeah, look at Just look at this board as we're looking at it here, and if you're listening on radio or you're checking it out, just audio, we're showing what Kansas City, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Jaguars were able to do, and they built through the draft and started one game. Kansas City, 36, the number drafted, 23. Look at the Jaguars. They were they had the first pick a couple of years in a yeah. row. They killed it in the draft. They didn't go crazy in free agency. They brought in some undervalued guys, even overpaid for one or two. Right. And they went back to the playoffs and won a playoff game. And these are the teams, Q, that are standing in front of the Las Vegas Raiders. Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. And as we've been saying, Dave Ziegler wants to do it in the draft. Dave told me exclusively, and he said it in this podcast studio, that he's not going to go out and get free agents every year. The goal is not to bring in five free agents, and especially with some of the dead cap hits that they got to clean up around here and yeah. some of the money, which isn't as big as some people think because of some of the dead cap hits and the players that are leaving going forward. The Raiders have so much money. I think they spent wisely so far in free agency, but they're looking to go big, really big in the draft coming up. Right, I agree. I think that they added a lot of good competition to the roster, right, bringing in a lot of guys that have something to prove, and I know that Raider Nation is not super 
super fired up because they don't recognize the names. They're not the big, flashy names. But guess what? The big, flashy names cost a lot of money, and they're not going to spend that kind of money. Again, like you said, the philosophy is to build through the draft. You cannot continue to try to build a team through free agency. It does not work. There's teams that have tried it year in and year out. There's been teams that have been fielded from the Raiders that have been a lot of free agents that haven't worked out. You've got to get the core guys through the draft, and that's what Ziggler is going to try to do. As Dave was deconstructing the roster last year, during the season, it was clear to me that the draft was going to be everything. Yep. A couple of free agents are here, a couple of good ones that we'll get into with Lincoln Kennedy coming up next, including the offensive line, what they're thinking about in the draft. But free agency, the frenzy continues as the Raiders are still active as you're listening to Raiders Roundtable. Welcome back, JT, as we continue here, right here on the flagship of the Raiders. Raiders, 920 AM. We are brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, the Botanist Gin. What a glorious setup they had outside Beer House at T-Mobile yesterday. Remy Martin, one of our proud partners. They have a whole bunch of activations, including what's going on at Dre's tomorrow. If you're looking to watch college basketball, head to the rooftop of Dre's. They have an unbelievable event going on. I'm definitely going to stop by for that. More of Raiders Roundtable from earlier in the week. We're back on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. Q Myers, I'm JT, and here's the great Lincoln Kennedy, who's kind enough to join us. Outside today, some birds in the background. Link, you look great. I'm going to jump right in. Love the coat, too. Yeah, look at the coat. He's looking good, man. Looking strong. Lincoln, let's. You guys know me. Always got to represent the nation. You know that. No doubt about it. Let's start off with free agency and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo as you have called games where he played. You know his fundamentals. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's got 40 wins. Your takeaway from that signing. What's not to like when you have a guy who's won twice as many games as he lost as a starter, right? What's not to like about a high completion percentage, a proven winner? More importantly, he knows the system and he knows his coaching staff. It was really good splash that the Raiders felt. I felt they had to make and they had to make it early when they decided to move away from Derek Carr. They've got their quarterback in place. Now, I still believe that they're going to draft a quarterback in this draft. Draft is too deep with good quarterbacks, potentially your future starter. Jimmy G is just a Band-Aid. But he gives you a chance to compete in the AFC West, which we know already already represents the the Super Bowl champion and a lot of good teams that are on the up and going. Lincoln, what does it tell you about Jimmy G when everyone to a man that has talked about him says he's a great leader, great teammate, they want to play with him, including, uh, you know, Dorsett, who who the Raiders just signed as well. He said, I couldn't wait to get back to to work with Jimmy G because he's a great quarterback. The first thing a quarterback has to do, Q and JT, is he's got to win over the locker room because he becomes the second leader. You have the head coach, then you have the quarterback. That is the leader. That is the the, the sort of moniker of the franchise. So he's got to be liked. If he's not liked, first of all, the five guys that are going to protect him up front aren't going to go to war if they don't like him. They're not going to do the extra stuff. And as an offensive lineman, you're always called to do the extra stuff to protect your quarterback. So it's very important for Jimmy G to win over the locker room, to win over his fellow players, because he knows they're going to play hard for him, and they know that he's going to play hard for them. 
Yeah, Lincoln, I think the key is, too, we talked about it. If they didn't get Jimmy Garoppolo, what was the option? Right. The option was potentially Jared Stidham, but he went to Denver, Jacoby Brissett. They weren't going to be in the market for Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady retired. This was the next best quarterback available, and he's very good. He's got a track record. As you said, you know, Derek Carr was a good leader. He won games here. He doesn't have the track record in the postseason that Jimmy G has, to be fair. Jimmy G played on some better teams. But he's humble in the locker room. He's going to be a leader outside the locker room. And I think he's the perfect fit at this time. I don't know how many years he's going to be quarterback in the silver and black, but he's the best case scenario now. And he's got some really good weapons, including the leading rusher in the NFL and Devontae Adams as the Raiders are starting to pick up other positional players. This offense is kind of loaded and almost closed down now. They might add another tight end, another player. We've been talking about the offensive line. But Jimmy G is going to have weapons similar to what he had in the Bay Area. Well, I know they added O.J. Howard, which when he came out of Alabama was a high draft choice, former first-rounder, mm-hmm. potentially. But it never really took off. So we don't know what the issue has been with the teams he's been on. He had a career low, I think, last year with Tampa Bay. But going forward, here's the thing, JT, and Q, I'll say, that if they didn't get Jimmy G, I think they would have had to sacrifice most of their draft picks to move up yes. to get one of yeah. those more capable quarterbacks in the first round. They didn't have to do that. So they got that position taken care of. Now, in my, in my opinion, the way they addressed this draft, they have some, still have some defensive needs they need to address, but they have to find a way to finalize and fix this offensive line. They've got to get this offensive line fixed in a way that's going to protect Jimmy G. Look, we know he's had some injury issues over the last couple of years. It hasn't always been the offensive line, but you can't take the chance on, you know, rationing off your future or, you know, putting your future out there if you can't keep him healthy. He is your guy that you want to start for at least the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I still expect the Raiders to take a quarterback to develop for the future. But right now, Jimmy G is a good good one. And more importantly, I think they need to have a tight end. If O.J. Howard and the ones they have on roster right now don't jump out and don't have that successful year, this offense is predicated off of slot receivers. We have still having Hunter Renfro, but they've also added some pieces, mm-hmm. you know, to help Devontae Adams and tight ends. Now, last year they went to Devontae Adams, and he had a tremendous year. There's no, You're not taking away from that. He's still going to be a good receiver, and he's still going to be a big part of this offense. But you've got to have that interior weapon that stretches that middle of that field, uh, and, and that's why tight ends are so essential in this offense. One of the weapons that they did add was a wide receiver in Jacoby Myers. He comes over from the Patriots. He's very familiar with Josh McDaniels. Uh, he's excited about working with Jimmy G. How big of a weapon do you think he could be? He was over 800 yards and had six touchdowns a season ago for the Patriots. He knows this system. He knows how he's supposed to run routes. How much can that one-two connection between Myers and uh, Jimmy G be? Well, I think it's important, kid, because over the last three years, he was the leading receiver for the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. So he showed his value, his worth. He, he shows that he's a substantial, possibly a good number two if they decide to move on for Hunter, Hunter Renfro or whatever moves they decide to make at wide receiver. So I think he's, you know, again, the familiarity with this offense helps not only Jimmy G, but it also helps, you know, Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff. And more importantly, it also gives you another weapon to go to to stretch the field and, you know, prove a, a pertinent uh, weapon to those safeties opposing defenses. I think he's a hell of a player. I think this is the biggest pickup the Raiders had, period. Uh, Jimmy G is a quarterback. You need a quarterback. But Jacoby Myers, this guy can get it done. And he gets wide open at times. You can line him up in the slot. He'll be the number two. You mentioned Hunter Renfro. Let's get into that. But first, Lincoln, Darren Waller is not here. And we're looking at uh, Jacoby Myers and some highlight packages here. His production 
is not going to replace probably Darren Waller when he had his breakout year, but Darren wasn't available the last two seasons, and the numbers went down significantly. So he was brought in, Jacoby Myers, to try to put up numbers. I won't say 100 catches to have the impact that Darren had, but to fill the void when Darren wasn't available and the Raiders didn't have that big weapon, that weapon who could take some of the heat off of Devontae Adams. Let's, let's you know clear something up, as we already know, collectively, guys. Darren Waller was a special talent. He was a special talent. He, he wasn't a talent that you come across every single day, especially the, with his size, his speed, and his ability. He's a loss to this offense. But there were parts of times last year that I saw he was more of a liability. The Tennessee game, the, when they ran the wrong routes. Um, you know, when he came back after injury, he wasn't as consistent. They just couldn't find a way to get him in a rhythm of the offense. I wasn't surprised that the Raiders moved on from him. I know a lot of people in Raider Nation were disappointed because he is a special talent. You've got to try to find a way to make up for him. I'm not saying Jacoby Myers is that, but there's still a lot of work that they can do. This de- this tra- draft is incredibly deep with tight ends, good tight ends that are both good blockers as well as good receivers. My biggest knock on Darren Waller, as much as I like him, is he wasn't an overwhelming blocking tight end. You need that, okay? And, you know, with Foster Moreau and free agency, we don't know where it's going to go. The Raiders, in my opinion, even adding O.J. Howard, are still very thin at the tight end position. No, they're thin with the yep. And they're thin with absolute ability to block. If they want to make Josh Jacobs, they've already you know, made him um, tender his, ender, his energy as a franchise player. He's not going to, they don't want him to go anywhere. They want to have a running game. They want to be able to stretch the field. They want to be able to stretch the field of perimeter. In order to do that, you got to have good blocking tight ends. The Raiders are devoid of that right now. Okay, So even adding O.J. Howard hasn't filled the void where they need at the tight end position. You mentioned stretching the field. Philip Dorsett is another guy that they brought in who's got blazing speed. He's been in the league, and he's been running those deep routes a lot, right? And he even scored a touchdown in 2022 in Allegiant Stadium against the Raiders. What do you see from Dorsett that addition? Well, speed. It it accounts for something because it, again, stretched the field. And when you talk about guys like Jacoby Myers, you know, Philip Dorsett, as well as Devontae Adams out there, you've got a plethora of receivers that you can open up the field and stretch the defense. You can't double-team everyone. And we saw last year how a lot of teams want to try to bracket Devontae, especially when he's out there solo. So, you know, now you've got ways that you can stretch the field and make a valuable weapon. But I'm hoping to see more production out of Philip Dorsett. We know he's got speed, but we got to see that production on catches. All right, Lincoln, I want to talk again. We'll circle back to Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Myers and what they bring. The word is Patriot way. It's now the Raiders way. Okay, fans are getting confused by this. I call it the winning way. When a franchise has won six Super Bowls in 19 years and their players, some of them are going to the Hall of Fame and their coaches and their scouts have been successful, they're trying to bring that formula here. Here's two sound bites from Jimmy G and Jacoby Myers on what they learned early in their career from Josh McDaniels, the learning curve, and how they want to bring the winning ways here to Las Vegas. I feel like when I first met Josh, it was just he was pushing me, you know. And maybe at the time I wasn't his biggest fan, but looking back on my career, like he helped me grow as a football player, as a man. So it definitely played a big part as far as me choosing to come here and just want to be a better person, a better player. Along those lines, Jacoby was in here yesterday, and he kind of said when he first started with Josh, it was a bit much. He didn't really like it necessarily, and then he realized, like, oh, I get what this guy is. Was that, did you have that similar experience? Yeah, it's very similar, actually. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, but it's a, it's a blessing in disguise almost. It's one of those things, I was talking to my brother about it the other day. You hate it initially, especially as a young player. You're like, what the, man, like, this is, this, this is hard. And, it is hard, like the NFL is hard, but you appreciate it later in your career because you're like, I'm glad I went through that because it's making everything else so much easier. So 
there's a it's a give and take there. But yeah, Josh, he, he'll push you, but you appreciate it in the end. Lincoln, it's difficult to play for Josh McDaniels because he demands excellence. I've been around this organization for a while. You played in it. That's always been the case, dating back to Al Davis. If you're not available, if you're not playing hard, if you're not here early, if you don't stay late, if you don't rehab correctly, you're not going to be here. That goes back to Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers, and Josh McDaniels now has that same core principle. I don't have a problem with that if he pushes you hard. Now he's got some familiar players that he knows how to push, and maybe those leaders, those two that we just played the sound bites from, can help the younger players on this team understand what's demanding from Josh McDaniels going forward. You know, what I understand is that the Raider Nation and all of us who support the Raiders want them to win and want them to be successful. Now, you could sit there and question how they get it done, their ways or whatever. But if it translates into wins, who cares? Mm-hmm. Because I remember back in my playing days talking to players who played for the Patriots, and they said the exact same thing. It's got to be Belichick's way. It's got to be the Patriots' way. If you don't like it, you can go home. You don't like off-season training in New England? Well, you're not going to be able to play on this team. But what did it translate say? It translated into rings. Right. Who's complaining about getting rings? You see what I'm saying? You know, for a long time, this organization has been devoid of even a playoff win. Hasn't won a playoff game since I played. Okay? They want to win. They want to win now. We've gone through several experiments with coaches, with players, now with quarterbacks and everything else, and it hasn't translated into wins. So as far as I'm concerned with covering this team and doing every game this upcoming season, if as long as they win, I don't care how they get it done or who they bring in. You know, Lincoln, and the, to follow that up is, you know, those guys chose to come to Vegas and play for Josh McDaniels, right? I mean, yeah, he yeah. coached them tough, but they still made the decision in free agency, not the draft, in free agency to come and play for Josh McDaniels. So that kind of tells you, just to reiterate what they said, that they do appreciate his style. Well, and the thing is, is that you can see the Raiders are on, on the up and coming. I mean, that's what you feel if you're going to make that transition. If you have in free agency, if you have the ability to go other places and you see the Raiders down on your dock and say, well, shoot, they look like they're coming up because they did these things like signing Jimmy G, you know, making a the change. They've got cap room. This is a place that I can play. Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium, hey, what's not to like mm-hmm. about what we have here, the amenities we have here, especially when you take a visit uh, to Las Vegas to see what they've got going on. So, you know, that is, uh, to agree with you, Q, that is an, a notable choice when you say you want to come here and play for Silver and Black. Lincoln, let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. Roderick Teamer retained along with Curtis Bolton, Jerry Tillery, but they added Marcus Epps at safety. Jordan Willis comes in off the edge, who I think is going to be a productive player in a rotational basis. They liked Brandon Faison enough to bring him back, and Robert Spillane, the linebacker, who comes over out of Pittsburgh. I want to start with Epps because he played a lot on the NFC Championship roster, and he didn't come off the field. He's a starter. They did not bring him in as a rotational player. They have problems at the safety position. they got to count on Epps and especially Spillane, who's going to come in here to start and be very productive and not have much of a learning curve. So the the two picks, the two pickups on defense that I like particularly are Epps, as you mentioned, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, and also Spillane. Briefly on Spillane, um, I, I think that at linebacker, even though Denzel Perriman is on the open field market of free agents, we'll see how it goes. Led linebacker, they need to find a linebacker who can cover tight ends in space. Perriman struggled with it. Okay. Spillane can play it and he can also rush the quarterback. So I've seen him do that with Pittsburgh. So I'm excited about that. I think that really helps out this defense. As far as Epps go, you know, with Epps and Merrick on the roster right now as safeties, just to probably name your starters, you still have a liability in coverage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You still got to find a way. But 
Epps is an experience, uh, experienced enough state safety who's good in space at making tackles. I think that's important. Uh, you know, Harmon had some bad angles last year. I think that hurt the Raiders. But for most, for the most part, I think Epps coming in with Merrick, possibly maybe in addressing it again uh, in the draft. You got Roger Kimmer at a plate. You've got to try to find a way to solidify this defensive secondary as much as possible. I still expect them to address it in the draft, guys. Lincoln, do you expect to see Marcus Epps play that kind of three-safety role on the field and maybe take away the middle of the field like JT brings up all the time, how it's wide open, maybe help defend that area of the field? Well, I mean, it's it's a possibility, Q, but if you go with that three-safety box, you're taking guys out of the box and you're opening yourself up to run. So we saw last year with the Raiders loading up the line of scrimmage. I mean, they got Jordan Willis, who adds a great deal of support, played on a good team at San Francisco. I think, you know, if you talk about the deepest part of this team right now, it's got to be the defensive front, right? The defensive line. Uh, but the solid defense that Patrick Graham had to play a lot left a lot of guys on a lot of scrimmage. And, then, and there weren't a whole lot of guys behind. So if you go to that three safety system, mm-hmm. You're weakening the box. Mm-hmm. You're giving up the possibility of teams running against you. You're going to put even more strain on guys like Max Crosby, who had a phenomenal year, but Chandler Jones and those guys will hold up at the point, and that's going to be a little bit tougher than you think. A face-on comes back, Lincoln, and I'm not shocked by it. He's been an improving player. You know, at times I've seen the improvement with him. Uh, first time here when he left, and now he comes back. But that, I think that's a message from this organization because I thought they were gone with players of the past here. For them to bring someone back who wasn't here says something to me because they have to see something because what they've been preaching is they want smarter and more explosive players. So no one should be brought back, no one should be drafted or brought in unless they fit that mold for Patrick Graham. Can't go backwards. These guys, they have to see something on tape. What have you seen with Faison from calling games with him that leads you to believe that he could be better the second time around? Well, in 21, Faison had his most productive career year at tackling. Mm-hmm. Uh, career-wise. I mean, that was, it was his best year. So I think that has something to be said about you need in this defense, you need guys who can tackle in space. There's going to be a lot of times where there's not a whole lot of bodies around. You got to be able to tackle in space. And you also got to find somebody, you know, to help out the corner position because, you know, I think that they move on uh, from Yassine and, 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 and it's notably so because he struggled with man-to-man coverage. I'm not saying that Brandon Faison is the best press man uh, cover guy out there, but I think he adds depth to a relatively weak position, a defensive back. We know what Nate Hobbs can do. We also seen Robertson, uh, this, uh, what he did late in the year. I think Faison adds some depth to that position. One guy that I'm pretty excited about that the Raiders uh, made official yesterday was Jordan Willis from San Francisco. And I know he's kind of been a journeyman. I remember him back at K-State when he was Defensive Player of the Year coming out his senior year. Uh, really good player, uh, pr- pretty productive so far. What are you seeing from uh, Willis? Yeah, well, you know, he was on that defense that was very notable in San Francisco last year. And the great thing that we've seen about these defenses, and I go back to Philadelphia and other defenses over the last couple of years, is that they've had a rotation. There's guys that aren't playing a whole lot of snaps without being spared. And I think Jordan Willis gives that interior push along with Tillery. And as I said a moment ago, I think the defensive line is the deepest position on the defense or defensive side of the ball. Uh, They've got enough bodies, but it's important to be able to do that and to be able to have that rotation. Lincoln, last one on the defense. There aren't a lot of interceptions here, okay? Let's just be honest here. There's not a lot of ball hawks here. I'm hoping they got to find a ball hawk. So if you look at the draft at number seven overall or in the second round, it's got to be someone that can break on the ball and make a play. And if they're going to find a linebacker, 
it's got to be someone sideline to sideline that could rip a ball out and cause a turnover here. Because, again, I'm going to put pressure on all of us to back this up heading into the draft. They've got to get playmakers in here who are more explosive and smarter players, and that causes turnovers. I don't see a lot of turnover players here. I see good players. I see role players. I see positional players. And you got all those draft picks, Lincoln, and I don't, I, I'll push back. I don't see a quarterback early, maybe a developmental one later. It's got to be big on the defense. I still see three or four starting holes on this defense that have to be retained in the draft. Well, I mean, and that's the great thing about having a number of picks, JT. And yeah. Having, having that ability and those picks. There are a lot of good defensive players that are coming out of college this year, depending on where you want it, linebacker, defensive back, safety, um, even as well as defensive line. There are a lot of good guys coming out. So the Raiders have got a number of places that they go. But I, I draw your attention to that number seven overall because now it comes down to whether Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels want to take that future quarterback and develop him because there's still some good quarterbacks. You know what, top four, maybe five in the first round or the second round, you probably have two, maybe three, depending on what you want to go. But that first pick is absolutely essential because that, to me, sets the, the sets the tone for the entire draft, the way the Raiders want to go. If they can address one primary need that they feel is a very strong pick at that number seven overall pick or whether they trade or do whatever, whatever with it, um, that, to me, sets the tone for the rest of the draft. I agree 100%. And, you know, the defense, you know, just backing up what JT said, the defense obviously needs to be addressed and three or four starters should come out of this upcoming draft. And I look at that corner position, and, and Lincoln, you covered it and, and called a lot of college games as well. I'm looking at Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, Joey Porter Jr. I mean, I feel like there's options at the corner position. The Raiders haven't drafted that shutdown corner in a really long time. Would you have any problem with grabbing a guy like Gonzalez at number seven? Oh, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I would not have a problem drafting him against Gonzalez at seven, but I also think there are a lot of teams who are going to be vying for him as well because he is one of those guys that I think is an immediate day one impact player. Lincoln, we got to get you out of that coat. We got to get pool season going in Vegas this winter. <laughs> this winter's been too long, man. Where's the sun? We got to get some rocking weather out here. Who are you telling? I'm in the South. I'm in Georgia. Guys, you know I'm a businessman, so I'm opening up a new restaurant down nice. here. So, wow. I, oh, this is supposed to be this cold. I'm not supposed to have this jacket on. It's springtime. It's good, springtime. Luck. good luck with the on? new venture, my friend. Yes. Good seeing you. We'll talk to you pretty soon. There he is, everybody, Absolutely. the great Lincoln Kennedy. We appreciate him taking time out of his busy day. What a great former player and great analyst here on the radio. When we come back, we'll take a look at the AFC West, what some of the other teams did in the division as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. Raiders Roundtable brought to you by America First Credit Union. Again, thanks to Lincoln Kennedy, JT, along with Q Myers, as we take a look at the rest of the AFC West and what some of the rivals of the Raiders have done in free agency. And you look around this league and teams want to get better in free agency, but a lot of other teams, everybody's chasing Kansas City, the Super Bowl champs. But as I look around, I don't think anybody's been as active as the Raiders. Maybe a couple more big names for Mm -hmm. these other teams, but the Raiders have added a lot of bodies, a lot of rotational players, as 
because they're trying to fill out the roster before the draft. Right, exactly. They had a lot of uh, restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents of their own that they had to make decisions on, but they had to fill out the roster. They're doing that. Dave Ziegler's been very busy. Hasn't been a bunch of big, flashy names, and they're not, they're not rolling out a lot of money, but they have been very active, a lot more busy than the rest of the AFC West have been. And that's the job of these GMs and to try to find the diamond in the rough and free agency. Let's take a look, and for those who are listening, we'll take a look at some of the teams. We'll start with the Chargers here and what they've been able to do. They re-signed a couple of players, Morgan Fox, the defensive end. Uh, Donald Parham, the tight end, is re-signed. The big issue for me is what's going on with Austin Eckler. Right. They gave him a freedom. He, I don't think he wants to leave. I just think he wants more money, and he exactly. deserves more money. Right. The franchise tag now for running backs of $10.1 million. I think he's in the $6 million mode. So if he can get 7 or 8 or $9 million in some new money, I think he'll come back. I, I do too, but the problem is that running backs aren't getting a lot of money. Yeah. Right? The free agent running backs that have assigned across the league are getting two-year deals, $8 million, three-year deals, $12 million. It's just not a lot of money for the running back position. I hate that for that position because I think it's so important to the success of a team, but reality is that they just don't value the running backs like they used to. Look, the Chargers have brought in free agents the last couple of years, yeah. and they didn't get anything out of it. No. And you know they got to the playoffs. They didn't win a playoff game. They blew a 27 nothing lead, and that really cost them here. But the Chargers, with their quarterback and some of their – players that they have on the outside are still going to be a team that the Raiders need to worry about. Let's move on to the next team as we look at the AFC West. We'll move over to the Denver Broncos. I think they've had a good offseason. Got to give them credit. They paid a lot for Mike McGlinchey. Mm -hmm. That was too rich for the Raiders at this time and I think the Raiders looked but passed on him for the amount of money. They re-signed Alex Singleton, their linebacker. As you know, Q, they lost a lot of pass rushers over the last couple of years. Everybody thought it was Russell Wilson coming in and they were going to keep everybody else. No, the reason they struggled is they lost a lot of good players along the way. I think this sets up with Ben Powers, the guard, and Mike McGlinchey. That was Sean Payton's message to all the Bronco fans, and we're going to rebuild the offensive right. line here and try to help out Russell Wilson. And that's the thing. I think Sean Payton's going to not allow Russell Wilson to have any excuse not to succeed in, in 2022 and 2023 and moving forward is he's going to build up that offensive line, give him an op- uh, opportunity to have a little bit of time in the pocket, and then deliver the ball in the way that he wants. So if it doesn't work then, then there's another question. But he's not going to have any excuses. Well, the offensive line wasn't where it needs to be. So that's why that was such a point of emphasis immediately. Yeah, when I look at Denver, I think of what the Raiders have done against them. Vic Fangio, what happened with Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. How many times did we go to a game or watch a Denver Bronco Raider game when Max Crosby was wreaking havoc? Yeah. Right? He had yep. monster games. He's blocking field goals. He's doing whatever he can to get in there and help out, having big games. They want to counter Max Crosby and Chandler right. Jones, and they, they're starting to rebuild that offensive line. I thought that was a prudent move for Denver coming forward. Sean Payton did not make a big splash and go out there and say, I want these expensive right. you know, wide receivers and all these other great players. I want to fix it up front, and that's going to be a concern for the Raiders when they go head-to-head. No doubt. They're building it from the inside out, and they that's are. exactly how it should be done. Build the trenches up, and that's what Sean Payton decided he was going to attack immediately and, again, give Russell Wilson an opportunity. You know he wants to run the ball. You know that Russell Wilson – is going to want to sit in the pocket and cook a little bit. And so Sean Payton's going to give him every opportunity by building that offensive lineup. Now let's move to the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, and what they were able to do. They get Jawan Taylor, the offensive tackle from big the one. Jaguars. That's a big one. Yep. They went out there and clearly said, 
We want to get a tackle who's a great one that can protect Mahomes going forward. And i got to give that organization credit for what they've been able to do on the offensive line. They have lost really good offensive linemen right. due to the success in the postseason in their two Super Bowls, and they bring in the next big name available. Right, and if they go out and get a guy like they had uh, Orlando Brown, they traded with the Ravens for him, they franchised him and said, you know what, you weren't as good as we actually thought you yeah. were going to be. We're going to allow you to go somewhere else. He eventually signs at Cincinnati, but we're going to bring in another guy in Juwan Taylor, we have to protect 15. They know how their butter is bread, or their better bread is buttered, and that's by way of Patrick Mahomes. Well, they could lose Frank Clark, they could lose yeah. the Honey Badger, they could lose Tyreek Hill, and they've been making really good decisions. But as we recap and wrap this up on Raiders Roundtable, I think what the Raiders have, here's what I'm thinking going forward before our next podcast. The Raiders are filling in the final holes of free agency. Right. They're ready to pounce on the draft. But I think this offense, again, they need to work on the defensive side of the ball. But when you look at Jimmy G breaking the huddle with Josh Jacobs, Devontae, Hunter Renfro, and Jacoby Myers, okay, depending on what they do with the tight end position, that is a strong offense yeah. that Jimmy G can attack with the way he did in Santa Clara. I really believe that. So I don't think there's going to be a big step back with the offense still loaded and the leading rusher. And I've been telling everybody this on Raider Nation Radio. I've evolved on this topic. Josh Jacobs did not get his rookie contract extension because they had to evaluate him. Right. And he outlived that contract and is getting a new one, hopefully, or was franchise tagged. Jimmy G now has the leading rusher to make decisions with and Devontae right. and Jacoby. Yeah. When it's third and four or third and six for the Raiders, mm-hmm. I think Jimmy G is going to be exceptional at moving the chains. Right, and the thing about it is he, just like other quarterbacks that we've seen, gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He does, right? He's not going to sit there and hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, and take a coverage sack. He's going to get the ball to the guy that's open. And the thing about Jacoby Myers that I really like about him, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he knows how to get open. He finds the hole in the, in the zone or the coverage, and he sits down in it and makes himself available for the quarterback. He's done it for years in New England. Now he's got an opportunity to do it in Las Vegas. We appreciate you listening, watching, subscribing and telling your friends go to Raiders.com check out Raiders Roundtable we want to thank America First Credit Union along with Lincoln Kennedy Q great job as always we'll get your set coming up here for the draft we'll have a few of these because the draft is going to evolve and that's going to be the strength of the Raiders thanks for listening to Raiders Roundtable All right, I appreciate everybody listening this week. Thanks so much for all the March Madness, all the Raiders talk, Vegas Golden Knights. We even did Indoor Football League with the Nighthawks. We covered it all here. So I want everybody to have a great weekend. Enjoy it. We'll be back on Monday, as I said earlier, for a big week of NFL draft, mock drafts. Hopefully we're going to get on another Raider player or two, as I've been told, another Raiders roundtable, hopefully in the middle of the week as we gear up for the draft. All the Swifties are in town. My wife will be getting ready here in a couple hours to go see Taylor Swift, which will be the biggest concert in the history of Vegas, revenue-wise. Let that sink in, all because of Allegiant Stadium and what we have here in Vegas, plus the fight and all the March Madness that will be here. I'm going to the games tomorrow night over at T-Mobile, so looking forward to bumping in to many members of the Raider Nation. Thanks to Bobby Machado for putting the show together. We appreciate everybody listening. I'll be on the radio again tonight, 4 to 6 p.m. on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ready for a fight, and I'm just loving-